She found her way into the world in Maplewood, New Jersey, a suburb 25 miles away from Manhattan on December 4th, 1985. Being the daughter of teacher and police officer, along with being the third child of five siblings, she never could have imagined being an Olympian would be in her future. To provide some background on how Ibtah Haj Muhammad came to be an Olympian, it's important to shed some light on her childhood and growing up. From a young age, Ibtah Haj enjoyed competing in sports. However, participating in sports at school often conflicted with her religious duty to dress modestly as a Muslim. When she was 13 years old, Ibtah Haj and her mother discovered the sport of fencing when they saw a high school fencing team practicing as they drove home. The kids were dressed in long pants, long sleeves, and helmets, and they instantly knew this would be the perfect sport to play. For once, Ibtah Haj envisioned herself playing a sport in which she would not feel out of place. When Ibtah Haj initially started fencing in middle school, she didn't necessarily care for it. However, she soon viewed it as an opportunity to earn a scholarship to, to a prestigious university. As she became more passionate and determined to make her way to the top, she attended the Peter Westbrook Foundation, a nonprofit organization that introduces and teaches the sport of fencing to underprivileged inner-city youth in New York City. After high school, Ibtahaj attended Duke University on a scholarship, and from there she went on to place at a numerous number of competitions. Before she knew it, 2016 rolled around, and Ibtahaj earned a spot on the U.S. fencing team for the Olympics in Rio. She is the first Muslim woman to wear a hijab to represent the U.S. at the Olympics. Now, you're probably thinking, wow, this is huge, and it is. This is such an important moment in history. However, an honor like this doesn't happen without many, many challenges along the way. So I want to focus on this specific question. How did Ibtah Haj Muhammad challenge stereotypes as a Muslim African-American woman in the sports industry? As I mentioned, at 13 years old, Ibtah Haj started fencing, a sport that historically lacked diversity and inclusion. It was very evidently a white-dominated sport that primarily privileged kids whose parents had money were able to partake in. That left Ibtah Haj to become a religious and ethnic minority. Being a Muslim youth and African-American, she often struggled to feel accepted. More often than not, she would receive stares from her competitors' parents who often questioned if her job was a safety concern for their kids. Think about that for a moment. Moments like this were very common, not only when she was a kid, but as she grew older and more involved in the fencing community. In a 2016 interview with Forbes, Ibtahaj describes the limited idea of who a Muslim woman is in the eyes of many. In this general image, she appears to be wearing all black. She's probably, uh, she's probably Arab and not African-American. She's oppressed and she doesn't have a voice. Ibtahaj describes the importance for people to know, especially for Americans to know, that Muslims are an integral part of society. And in her case, the only difference is that she wears hijab. So she took it upon herself to combat this narrow-minded version of what people assumed a Muslim woman was by working her hardest and persevering the predominantly white sport. The discrimination didn't just take place within the realm of fencing. It was always there no matter where she was, and when she was a sophomore at Columbia High School, when the World Trade Center fell, it only amplified. At this point in time, she was only one of several Muslims in her community and the only person at her school wearing a hijab. In an interview with Sports Illustrated, she recalls being called down from the principal to sit in her room along with her brother and a few other Egyptian kids when the news um, broadcasted the World Trade Center falling. It wouldn't matter later on in life that Ibtah Haj Muhammad was an accomplished fencer or medalist for the U.S. 9-11 guaranteed that in the eyes of many, she remains Muslim first and foremost, making it that much harder for her to be taken seriously in the sports world, but also making it that much more important to persevere and defy the odds placed against her. Throughout her fencing journey and post-9-11, Ibtah Haj knew she was, on, she was a valuable part of society, so she took the hurtful moments and used them to shape them into the athlete she is today. Another vital part of challenging stereotypes in the sports industry has to do with acknowledging the fact that there are little to no high-profile Muslim female athletes showcased in the media. As a kid, she acknowledges that she didn't have any Muslim female athletes to look up to, so she turned to the Williams sisters. 
Through them, she was able to find a source of inspiration and know that she didn't have to apologize for who she was. Now, when asked how she felt about being the highest profile Muslim female athlete competing during the Olympics, she describes how she felt so fulfilled already by knowing that she can be a role model and challenge the idea that African Americans don't belong in the sport of fencing or that Muslim women don't belong in sports at all. She goes on to say that if she had a choice in a perfect world, she wouldn't have to speak on these subjects, meaning not having to be an outspoken advocate for change and educate people on basically how not to offend someone. She looks back and thinks of her ancestors and people who came before her who spoke out against bigotry and hatred, and really she owes it not just to herself, but her community. Even when Intahaj earned her spot in fencing competitions, even the simplest things became complicated. At this point in time, which was prior to 2017, she was wearing a regular hijab under a helmet. Unfortunately, the material retained sweat, creating a new problem. When it got wet, she couldn't hear. It wasn't until 2017, after her fencing career ended, that Nike, with her help, developed the Pro Hijab, a product designed for Muslim women that goes beyond making it easier for them to compete at the highest levels. While to others it may seem like a simple cloth, Ibtahaj knew that this cloth would spare young girls the complexities and fears that come with wearing the hijab in sports. You would think that by the time someone reaches the U.S. Olympic team, they would be freed from discrimination, but at this point, we know better, and we know that's not the case. If the Hodge endured years of strange behavior from teammates and staff where she was left off of official team sheets, omitted from team emails, ignored by teammates, and not invited to team dinners. In an article through The Guardian, If the Hodge calls out team coach Ed Corfanti by recalling times in which he called her lazy and accused her of slacking off during Ramadan, the Muslim holy month in which Muslims fast, which is abstaining from drinking or eating from sunrise to sunset. Corfanti even accused her of skipping practice after being diagnosed with a sprained ankle by the team doctor. Now, to end the podcast episode, I'd like you all to reflect on the obstacles I shared with you that Ibtahaj faced throughout her time as a fencer, as she has now decided to unofficially end her fencing career and focus on her clothing line in addition to best-selling children's book and autobiography. It never was easy for her. Ever since she was a child to probably now, she faced many, many challenges because of her gender, race, religion, and more. But throughout it all, Ibtahaj defied stereotypes as a Muslim African-American female in the sports industry and left her mark on the world, allowing other young girls to look up to her and do the same.